All right, so we are starting a new series on the book of Jonah today. Uh, how many of you heard of Jonah? Right, prophet eaten by a fish. That's pretty much the end of the story. Most of us have heard from, from at least Hollywood and out there. Um, there's a lot in this book, so much so that we're going to do five weeks on this. Today we're going to talk about the intro to it, the beginning of it, but the, really the book is about much more than a giant fish. See, we learn a lot about God's character. We learn about who we are as people. In this story, we see that God is merciful and kind and patient. He actually sends a prophet to go speak to people that are not his people about their wickedness so they could be saved. We see a God who will use even broken people who run away from him every now and then to accomplish his purpose. One of the big things we see throughout this whole book, this whole series we're going to talk about today, is that the book of Jonah's big idea is that the story of Jonah is about the God of miracles who is willing to let everyone off the hook for their sins. Tim likes to sit right in front of the receiver. <laughs> there it goes. So, um, but this, this, this overarching theme for the book of Jonah is really important for us because God is a God of miracles. And more importantly, God lets us off the hook for our sins. Now, I'm supposed to mention that you know, the hook and the fish, there was a joke there. It was supposed to be funny. Sorry, we're, we're pastors. We don't do funny things very well. But um, the idea of being let off, this, your, off the hook for your sins is an important part of this story. Okay? God wants to forgive you. He wants to forgive everybody. He wants to save everyone. He'll do whatever it takes to make sure everyone has the chance to follow him and to be saved. See, he sent Jesus to the world to live the life we couldn't live, to die the death we all deserved, and then he brought Jesus back to show that even death isn't more powerful than the God of heaven. And he did this wonderful, this amazing, huge, best ever miracle in the history of ever for you and for me. We have a really good God, and he's big and loves getting people into the forgiveness he offers them. Now, we need a miracle for our own salvation because we're broken. We can't save ourselves. If you were here for the last series, we talked about that quite a bit in spiritual warfare. In the story of Jonah, God had to use miracles to get Jonah into his calling. And today, we're going to look at some, some understanding why exactly Jonah needed a miracle to understand God's, follow, God's calling. Because today, we're talking about what happens when Jonah runs. If I turn the clicker on, it works better. Look at that. When Jonah ran from God is the topic we're talking about today. So, before we talk about when he ran, we talk about what he did, we first have to talk about who is or who was Jonah. Believe it or not, the book of Jonah is in the middle of your Bible in a, a series of books called the, the Minor Prophets. And Jonah was a prophet to Israel, but outside of his book, we don't know a whole lot about him. The only evidence we have of Jonah from the Old Testament outside of his own book comes from 2 Kings. Now, 2 Kings is the second of the Kings books, as the name would imply, the books of the kings are history of Israel. They talk about prophets and kings and battles and all kinds of stuff. So it's a historical document. And in 2 Kings 14, we see this little tidbit talking about Jonah. It says, Jeroboam II recovered the territories of Israel just as the Lord, the God of Israel, had promised through Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet of Gath-Hefer. For the Lord saw the bitter suffering of everyone in Israel, and that there was no one in Israel slave or free to help them. So what we learn from this passage 
despite the name Jeroboam and, and th- this time in history, I have no idea where Gath Heifer is, but Jonah was a real person. He had a real home. He had a real father. He was the son of Amittai. This is the same Jonah who wrote the book of Jonah. That's important for us to realize because we often think about the story of Jonah as this fable or this tall tale and this thing that teaches us something about our lives, but it didn't really happen. Scripture says otherwise. Jonah was a real dude. More than that, Jonah was a prophet to Israel. He brought good news to Israel. At this time uh, in, in Israel's history, they'd lost some territory. They'd been conquered. They'd lost some battles. Things had happened, and they had lost some stuff. But God came through and told Jonah to tell Israel not to worry because he was going to bring these territories back. He was going to bless Israel despite all the things that were going on at the time. The cool thing here is Jonah was a prophet of God's good news, which was probably a pretty sweet gig. I would love to tell people how much God wants to save them and bless them. Oh, wait, I, I do. I get to do that all the time up here. I get to say it all the time. So that's, what, that's why I'm so excited about this because sometimes we love God's messaging and we run to him. There are times that God's message for us is fantastic. Like the fact that he's forgiven us. Like the fact that he did the things we can't do for ourselves to save us from the life and the death we deserve. And in those situations, we have to run to God because it's, it's refreshing. Right? The world tells us we're not enough. God tells us, you're enough. The world tells you, you don't have a reason to be here. God tells you, no, I have a calling for you. I have a plan for you. Just follow him. It's really exciting stuff. One time, um, years ago, um, we were living in California, and uh, we'd been having this call to get engaged with adoption or foster care or something about that. We had a heart, my wife and I, for kids who didn't have a family. We wanted to help. Uh, at the time, uh, my, my oldest son and my daughter were four and seven years old, backwards, um, and so we said, okay, well, we're going to build some bunk beds, and we're going to get certified as foster parents, and we're going to pray that God fills these, kids, these beds with these kids that need our help. And so we, we got certified, and we're thinking, okay, we got a seven-year-old and a four-year-old, so that makes sense to get kids that are about that age, because they can you know, kind of mesh with the kids and kind of grow up together, and, and they can be safe. And we were all excited. I mean, this was huge stuff. God opened doors. It was obvious this is what God was calling us to do, and we were like running after God, like, okay, here we go. And our first placement call came, and she says, hey, we have this 11-year-old boy who needs a home. Like, all right, well, 11's a little older than we were planning on. It's probably a little outside our realm, but that's close enough. He's still in elementary school. He's he's still not a teenager yet, right? We can kind of handle that. We're okay. Okay, God, we got this. And God's like, okay, cool. Got that one. Next placement call came. It was a 13-year-old boy who needed a place to stay. And we're like, all right, well, God, we, we signed up to do this. And we're getting further away from what we thought the plan was, but I, you've been good so far. I don't think you're going to stop now. We'll keep going. We're excited. We're, we're still chasing after God. And then our, our third placement call came, and it was a 16-year-old boy who needed a place to stay. It was an emergency situation. He was struggling with drugs and alcohol and girls and football and school, and it was, it was, it was an interesting situation. And we thought, man, God, I mean, we're still in. We're still, we're still here, but this is not what we signed up for, right? It's a little different than when you told us it was going to happen. We're still running after God, but we're starting to ask questions. Turns out this was the best thing ever. 
we thought we'd get a four or seven, six-year-old kid, and we'd kind of help them through some stuff, and then send back their parents, and just kind of be a one-stop, just carry on. What God had planned for us was to be the petted household for wayward boys. It was what we decided to call ourselves after a while, because we kept getting these gentlemen, these young men who needed a place to stay. And we never got anybody younger than 11, as it turns out. We always got teenagers and kids, and it was kind of ironic. But God's plan for our lives was so big and so powerful that my, that 11-year-old that we talked about at the beginning, he never left. He's my son now. And I never would have thought that. Never would have even thought in a million years we'd adopt a then 13-year-old at the time. I just sent him to his first homecoming dance last night. It was amazing. We bought him a suit. I mean, I didn't know this kid four years ago. And now he's my son. That was God's plan for my calling. I had no idea. When we started off, God's calling was amazing. We were chasing after him. But as we got more into it, we started asking questions, and it started getting a little weird. And that can happen sometimes when God's calling for your life doesn't always, in fact, almost never goes the way you think it's going to go. Sometimes like this, it's kind of funny to talk about. Sometimes, though, God's calling is really tough, dangerous um, to you personally, physically. Health, I mean, it, it's, it's not fun. Sometimes God's calling is something we want to reject, and sometimes we, we tend to run away from God's calling because it's so tough. That's what happens in the book of Jonah. And so as we get into the, the, message, the story today of Jonah, the really cool thing about this book is it's super short, and it doesn't lead up with any like intro or greetings or welcome. It's just go time. Verse 1, we start the story. So let's look at that really quick. In Jonah 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 1, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, announce my judgment and against it because I've seen how wicked its people are. So Jonah's used to this. God sends him a message. He delivers the message. It's just it's how you be a prophet. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord he went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leading to Tarshish. He bought a ticket, went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord. Three verses in, and we got a lot here. Like, what, what happened? Right? Jonah was a prophet for God. He brought God's messages to his people. But there's this really big but in here that doesn't make sense. How can a prophet of God suddenly decide he doesn't need to bring God's message anymore? Well, there's a few things that probably happened in here, and uh, the first thing is that Jonah was a prophet to Israel, right? That was important back in the day because you have to remember there's, there's cultural ethnic lines that are pretty strong, especially in that part of the world. And if I'm a prophet to Israel, I bring God's message to Israel. Nineveh is not in Israel. More importantly, Nineveh is in a, a nation called Assyria, and Assyria and Israel are not friends, uh, in fact, Assyria in, in history has conquered, defeated, and oppressed the Israelite people a lot. At this time this is being written, we think there was sort of a, a kind of a peace going on. But before this and after this, Assyria was invading Israel, taking people away. It was really ugly. So Jonah's mind is like, okay, wait a minute, God. You want me to bring a message to a people that don't like us about how wicked they are. I'm not going to get past the city gates. Right? I'm, I'm going to die, God. This is ridiculous. No, I can't do this. And there's one more kind of part of this whole thing that we learn about Jonah later on in, in this book. See, already we know he's scared. He's probably going to get hurt if he goes and does this. So why would I go do that, God? 
But in chapter four of this book, we learn more about his motivations. Now, spoiler alert, he does get to Nineveh, and he does deliver God's message, and at, at, at chapter four, Nineveh has heard his message, and they're turning to God. They're laying down their wickedness, and they're coming to God, and this is a huge thing. This is like revival in the Middle East. This is enormous. People should be really excited, but when we pick up chapter four, we see Jonah's arguing with God. Jonah's mad at God. And this is what he says in chapter 4, verse 2. He says, I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. Yeah, that's exactly who God is. And Jonah's like using this as an argument to tell God why he was right. Can you imagine God saying, God's like, yeah. I don't want to smite them. I, I want to save them. That's my plan. And Jonah's mad about this. We have to think about this. Why is Jonah so mad that God wants to save the Ninevites? Because he's afraid. He's afraid that if God saves the Ninevites, they're going to come after the Israelites. Because when Assyria does well, they tend to try to conquer Israel. So Jonah's like, all right, if they're going to do well, they're going to conquer Israel. So I know that we can't let them do well. So no, God, you must make a mistake. You're wrong. I'm going to take my ball and I'm going to go home. Because in his mind, he believed a lie that he knew better than God. This is an important thing to think about, gang, is, is when you believe the lie that you think you know better than God because your calling doesn't make sense to you, Remember this story. Remember how irrational this is. This is a prophet of God yelling at God because God is too merciful. That's ridiculous. We can sound that way, though. Because when we get so focused on how this calling affects us, we can lose sight of the fact that God's calling for us is always about more than just us. God's calling to Jonah here wasn't just so Jonah would go do this work. God wanted to save Nineveh. When we don't follow God's plan, we choose to do our own thing, we end up hurting folks in the process. Our bad choices don't just affect us, they create collateral damage. In this story, remember Jonah is, in the, verse, the first three verses, word of God, Jonah says no, Jonah gets on a boat, and he's sailing. Now, he, where he's sailing is actually the opposite direction from where Nineveh is. So on a, on a map, you have Israel, Nineveh is north-northeast, through the desert. Tarshish, where he was sailing, is across the Mediterranean, the opposite direction, due west. So he's literally taking a boat to sail away from a city in the desert. He's so desperate to hide from God. On this boat, though, there are other folks. He can't just sail a boat by himself. There are sailors. And in verse 4, whoops, we went too far. On verse 4, we see what happened to these sailors because this, the Lord sent a powerful wind over the sea causing the violent storm that threatened to break up the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate soldiers shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. These are sailors. They've been in storms. They're so scared, they're dumping everything over the edge, hoping to survive the night. This is craziness, and they're just innocent bystanders because of Jonah's choices. Now, we may not have this same kind of situation where 
you know, people are around us are going to get physically in danger because of our choices. We might. But whenever we fail to do God's calling on our lives, somebody is missing out. And God loves you and loves them too much to let you simply run away. And in this story, we see God sent a storm to get Jonah back on track. Remember, storms don't always mean that you're in a bad spot. They can. But storms are not consequences so much as they can be messages from God. Don't assume that following God means you won't have storms. But don't assume that every storm you're in is because you're doing something wrong. Sometimes God's just trying to get your attention. And in this situation, it's exactly what he did with Jonah. We carry on in the story for a minute, and um, we see that, that God is doing things on this ship that Jonah didn't plan for. Uh, as you read along after verse 5, you see that the sailors are starting to panic, right? They're, they're calling on their own gods, trying to figure out what's going on. They go down below the deck to wake Jonah up. Like, this is a storm bad enough to scare them this bad, and Jonah's asleep. Yeah, there's, there's a whole other sermon there that I'm not going to touch today. But they wake Jonah up and they're like, dude, get up, pray to your God. We, we don't know what's going on. We're going to die. And you can just kind of see Jonah like, you know, roll out of bed like, all right, okay, let's go. Let's go take care of this. He knows what's going on, but these guys don't. They did this thing called casting lots. So basically it's a game of chance to figure out whose fault this is. And so they you know, draw straws, and short straw is the one that God is mad at, Right? Jonah draws the short straw, and he's like, all right, you caught me. I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Hebrew God, and I'm running away from him right now. And Scripture tells us that they were filled with fear. The sailors knew exactly who Jonah was talking about. Like, oh my gosh, you made that God mad? Get off of our boat. This is crazy talk, right? And they asked Jonah, what should we do? And Jonah's like, just throw me overboard. I'm, I can die, and this can be over for you guys. But while that's happening, God is doing something in the sailors. You see, one of the important things to remember is that no matter how much we mess up, God's plan is still going to happen. And God is always at work, whether we're running to him or from him. Which is the next slide. It's important for us to know that because when we think we're outrunning God, when we think we're sailing away from God, we can forget that God's bigger than us and the world. And he, he holds the world in his hand. He's literally huge. So you can't run away from God. And while you're running away from God, you think, okay, I, I got this going on, but God is still doing work. You can't mess up bad enough to mess up God's plans. In verse 14 of this story, we see that the sailors have figured out who, who Jonah's God is, and Jonah said, throw him overboard. And so the sailors in verse 14 say this, Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. O Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death, O Lord. You have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. The sailors picked Jonah up, threw him overboard in the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. And then in verse 16, we see that the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power. And they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. So there's these sailors. They don't, know who, they don't follow the God of the Bible. They know who he is because they've seen what he did for the Hebrew people. But in this one instance, God saved these sailors. He used Jonah's bad decisions to save these sailors. That's craziness. Like Jonah thought he was all by himself and hiding off in a vacuum. 
but God was still working. In Romans 8, 28, we see this repeated by Paul. He says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God is big. God will do what his plan is. He's inviting you. He's calling you to come with him. It's up to us whether or not we're going to follow him. We can choose to charter a boat and sail away as far as we can, or we can choose to chase after God and trust that he's big enough. The really cool thing about God's plans, guys, is we don't have to do the heavy work. All we do is follow God. And you read this story, I'd encourage you this week to read through the book of Jonah. It's four chapters long. You see that when Jonah actually does finally get up and follow God's plan, God does all the work. Jonah walks through town saying God's message, and God's message carries in a way that Jonah doesn't understand. And like the king comes to it, people come to meet him, and it's amazing what God does with just Jonah's simple act of obedience. The same thing can happen here with us, gang. If God's calling you to do something today, don't run away from it. Don't be afraid of it. Maybe some of you are are trying to understand what God's calling you to do, and you're thinking, okay, it's got to be this grandiose idea of sailing to a foreign land so that I can go reach the people who are in the jungle. That may be your calling, but it's probably simpler than that to start with. One of the things that I'm kind of wrestling with right now is, is I, I, God is calling me to teach. I love teaching. This is, this is my jam. I love doing this stuff. It's a lot of fun. But God's also calling me to be friendly. <laughs> and I stink at that. I don't, I don't, talking to people wears me out. It's exhausting. And I want to get to know folks, but I have to make an effort to do it. And I know God's calling me to do it but it's a struggle. And it's a daily choice for me. Do I sit in the back and hide on a boat sailing to Spain or do I chase after him and engage and trust that he'll give me the strength and the words to engage with people? That's, that's one of my struggles right now. But think about in your lives, what are things that you're struggling with right now? I don't, I don't know much of what's going on, but maybe there's something going on with a job where you, you need to consider changing a career so you can be with your family more. And it means you gotta take a little less money. Maybe you gotta end a relationship that isn't honoring to God. Or if you're married, maybe you need to dig your heels in and fight for the relationship so that it can honor God. All of those things are really hard. Maybe God's calling you to start something here at church. Shake hands at the back. Play the bass, apparently, is the thing we need. Uh, maybe God's telling you to get up and, and teach a small group or host a small group or, or do something to serve God's kingdom, but you don't feel like you're qualified. You don't feel like you're good enough. You don't feel like you got this going on, and so you're afraid. There's a cheesy cliche that we throw around in church, and that is that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Super corny, but it makes sense. It's 100% true. God does all the work. In Jonah's case, Jonah was not qualified to speak to the Ninevites. He was a prophet of Israel. He had no business being in Assyria, but God made it happen. There's another cliche that I had from back when I was in high school. It was a cheesy movie. I can't remember what it was called or what it was even about, honestly. But there was a line at the end that stuck with me for years. And that is, if God throws you a curveball, don't duck you just might miss something. 
when I look at all the times in my life that God has called us to do things that we weren't ready for, the times that I followed him, it's always so much better than I thought it was going to be. It's hard. Right? In my story of foster care, I don't tell you about all the stories. There are lots of stories. We had the police on speed dial. Right? We had social workers ready to go. We knew where all the, uh, the weapons in our house were. We knew all that stuff. That stuff was hard. But it was so worth it. God will do amazing things. God will work miracles in your life. And he'll save you from your sin. And he'll use you to talk to folks who need to be saved from their sin as well. So when God throws you a weird curveball, don't, don't duck it. Don't run away from it. Swing away and see what God does. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for this time. Thank you that we get to learn from your word, God, that we get to understand more about you and we get to see your stories, even of these weird prophets from the Old Testament, Lord. Thank you for the time together today that we can learn more about who you are and who you made us to be. Heavenly Father, you are an amazing God. You are a great God, and you have great callings for us in here. Please encourage us. Give us strength to follow you and help us understand more about what it is you have for us today, God. It's in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen.